Greetings, folks, and welcome to this month's podcast. My name is Deacon Bernie Nohadera. I am the Executive Director of the Secretary of Child and Youth Protection with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Today I have the honor and pleasure of having with us Bishop Timothy Doherty, current chair of the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People and the Bishop of uh, the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning, Deacon Bernie. Glad to be here. Great. Thank you. So, Bishop, you've been now uh, with the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana uh, as bishop, and you've just recently been named chair for the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People. Uh, Would you mind sharing for our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Sure. I was ordained a priest of the Diocese of Rockford in 1976, and uh, a great part of my early ministry involved uh, high school work, including nine years full-time. Um, So I think I got to know something about youth and their families through that. Um, And I went on to do some other things in healthcare ethics and was a parish pastor for 11 years before being named a bishop um, in Indiana. And as the new chair for the CPCYP, what are your thoughts as far as having to chair this committee? Why why is this committee so important and and, uh, what, what is the mission of this committee? Um, you know, my interest uh, has both an intellectual basis and an emotional basis. And emotionally, around the year, it was literally in the 1980s, but by the early 2000s, uh, the church needed a lot of attention and care with regard to how we were treating children. And it became apparent that uh, this whole abuse crisis came from, um, you know, kind of a blind spot for us. And uh, it hurt. It hurt to be a pastor of people who no longer could, uh, felt they could give full trust to their church. And it disrupted our worship. It disrupted our ministries. And so uh, I, if I could do something besides um, complain or wish things could be better, I would have to be involved. So I was as a pastor and, uh, and now as a bishop. I'm very happy to make this part of my almost weekly duty to chair some part of a meeting where we discuss this. And so just by extension for the U.S. Catholic Church, it was going to be important. Again, if things were going to be strong, somebody had to sacrifice the time but have the interest to be able to help, and I felt I could be able to do that. Well, thank you for that. And you know, as a a result of this crisis, I I firmly believe we are in a period of transformation that the Church is indeed moving toward being uh, healthier and holier and and it's this transformation that I know clearly the Secretariat is working on, uh, this culture of change that we're trying to, to work toward, the, the change of uh, a journey towards healing and reconciliation, uh, towards wellness and protection and such. And I think in order for us to all be able to be part of that, it, it, it does involve uh, the efforts from, from the hierarchy and, and from the people, from the faithful. Um, as bishop of your diocese, are you are you seeing seeing the the work of the conference and the work of the bishops? Is that reaching out to the lay faithful? Yes, in, in our diocese, um, of course, I'm ultimately responsible. But the vicar general uh, has a main leadership role in this, as does the head of human resources and the head of our both our Catholic school system and our catechesis. Uh, And so there's continual monitoring and training of adults and volunteers and safe environment teaching for children, which is uh, available. And we um, print things from time to time in our diocesan paper. We run local workshops. um, And we participate in the annual audit, which 
currently is being done by an outfit called Stonebridge, and they audit our, our compliance with policies and practices. Um, so we're, we're pretty adamant about uh, all of that, about uh, having a safe environment. And, you know, for the people who volunteer and work for the church, uh, it is meant to help them know what the expectations and boundaries are so they can relax and know when they're doing a good job and know um, when they are acting in line with a policy that's understood by everyone. And so the important thing is that people can relax and their enthusiasm uh, for their ministry is not dampened um, and they have a full understanding about why we care about all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And clearly, I, I remember the saying growing up that it takes a, a, a village to raise a child. And it seems as though with what you're, what you're doing in your diocese, the, the, the onus of, of this work is indeed spread uh, with, with not just a few or one office, but, but many. Yeah, and there's, there are leaders in each parish who, uh, and not just the pastors or the priests, but the lay people in particular, uh, who, who take a great interest in this. And for that, I'm very glad. And over time, of course, we've identified resources in the community, both within the church and outside the church, that could better educate us uh, about what we're doing, um, not only for the prevention of uh, abuse, but also how to maintain a healthy attitude uh, going forward. And, and so it, it, health and abuse protection takes place in a context mm-hmm. of healthy living, of healthy faith living as well. Mm-hmm. And so the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People, or otherwise known as the Dallas Charter, uh, in existence since June of 2002. Uh, so the church really We've been at this now for 15, 16, 17 years, and in many cases, and that, that, that's from the perspective of the, of the charter. But I do know of a number of dioceses that have had programs in place, had had, had review boards in place prior to even 2002. What can you say, Bishop, the church has done well uh, in response to the crises that, that broke out you know, with that Boston Globe headline back in January of 2002? Well, I think what we've done well is to expose uh, the problems and to expose either the neglect or uh, almost the willful mismanagement of certain uh, clergy and, and certain employees. That you know, we, we've done that well um, over time, and it, I think it f- took two or three years for people to realize that in some places diocesan chanceries were part of a problem and slow to react or slow to report. Uh, and we've gotten much better at that, at holding bishops to accountability, and people have seen that in the news. Um, so that's been a great benefit. And I think we've um, struck up alliances with our public school districts, with other employers in the area. If we have colleges and universities in the area, there's, in very many places there have been communications back and forth uh, to figure out what are the best strategies, not only for education, but also to, to reassure people that they're doing things correctly, um, both for their protection from crime, but also for their flourishing. Um, you know, it, it, you have to have a healthy context in order to produce a protective context. If you are now just listening, my name is Deacon Bernie Nohadera. I am with uh, Bishop Timothy Doherty, Chair of the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People. Bishop, uh, I'm sure you've met with victims and, and have, have uh, experienced and, and heard their stories or such. Uh, can you share with, the, with our listeners today um, 
what what strikes you most of being able to to be present to 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 survivor victims and and the ministry of the presence, uh, particularly of a bishop. Uh, any any thoughts on that? You know, um, I used to work at healthcare, and there was a saying about hospital mergers. Uh, you've seen them one, you've seen them one. And I think the same for uh, victims of abuse. Uh, I have not met two people who had the same story, the same circumstance, the same injuries. Uh, and so the, the word presence is very important, uh, to invite people to either go meet them where they are or to invite them into my office and to have a conversation means to be very present to them in the moment and to hear, hear their story. Uh, very often, uh, part of the great injury is nobody will listen. Um, and the other thing is, over time, somebody may have listened to them three or five or 15 years ago, but as their injury becomes more apparent or affects them later in life, they sometimes have uh, an upgrade on the story that they have to tell and pain that has renewed itself. And to those people, too, we have to minister uh, and be very present to um, this is not to say that simply being a good listener solves all the issues or problems. It certainly doesn't. But it's a component of healing within the church, uh, both a healing for that person, but also I would say uh, these conversations do change the listener, do change the bishop, uh, and, and resensitize him um, both to the, the depth of hurt that's possible out there in the world, but also to the depth of healing. And some of these people come with tremendous faith in Christ. Uh, others are, are, are hurt and can't quite make it back to church but still want to be heard. Mm -hmm. So every person is different. The encounter, again, being very important, and in many ways the beginning of perhaps developing a relationship, having that con making that connection and allowing the humanity uh, to, 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 to be present, and in that also the, the face of Christ. And, and for some of them, uh, survivor victims that I have met, I've been very humbled uh, to be able to enter into, this, into their story and to be able to, to listen and share, um, to, uh, you know, to have that type of um, trust that's developed. And, and, and I know that's a key theme that keeps coming up from time to time. Uh, because of this crisis, there has been a trust that's been that's been destroyed, and so now the work that we're trying to restore. I think you say that very well about entering into their story. You know, sometimes we have this idea that healing is a matter of integrating people back into the church, where really these encounters are about the church integrating itself into their life, as broken and as hurting as it might be. Um, in some ways, it gets us closer to Christ on the cross and reminds us of the damage that's done by mm -hmm. sin. And um, it takes takes a lot to stand there with people in pain, just as it, as it took the women and St. John at the foot of the cross. It must have taken something to stand there with him in that state. I think it also takes time. I, I, I've, I've uh, from time to time, experienced uh, encounters of, of concern of, you know, will this ever go away? Or, you know, um, I, I'm thinking in terms of being able to allow uh, and to give that uh, opportunity for time to heal and to, to bring about reconciliation. Um, I know in terms of the work that the uh, Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People are doing that uh, every diocese now has a victim assistance coordinator and, and a safe environment coordinator. And in some places I know of uh, dioceses that have parishes that have their own safe environment coordinators, and they're trying to, again, just 
to share the work that uh, has to be done diocesan-wide. If, if you had to pick in terms of um, the, the current issues that are being involved uh, with society today, how, how does the church, what, you know, what opportunity does the church have now being able to, to be a witness uh, to, to what we're hearing now in the news and, and in society? You know, uh, we're speaking here in the spring of the year 2018, and we've just been through several months of Me Too and exposés about politicians, movie stars, and so forth. Uh, I think we're seeing the child safety issues in the context of, of a society that has forgotten something about boundaries uh, and, and is lear- relearning how to teach some of those things. There are several factors behind all of this. You could blame things on the culture. We could blame things on the media or the sexiness of things that are available online and so forth. Um, but the very fact is that the family structure has not, uh, people haven't been intensely involved with the family and st- structure in years. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a, a couple of children, they're off at sports or school all the time. Um, people aren't exposed in the family to, to that sensitizing that they need. And also families are smaller. You know, when people grew up with a couple of brothers and a couple of sisters, you learned how to behave around other young people of different ages. Um, and, and boys and girls learned some proper behaviors uh, or your, your parents would teach you uh, what was appropriate and what wasn't. And I think there's some less of that. So today we're kind of having to not only teach uh, about specific behaviors, but the reasons behind culture and the way it is, and, and to teach, it, teach lessons in such a way that they're not just lessons for children or 20 years old, but teach lessons that are valuable through a person's life. And, and uh, I think that helps children a lot to know that you're giving them lessons that uh, you speak to. And I sometimes say this to kids, I'm not talking to you as children now. I'm saying the same things to you that I would say to adults. So I'm treating you as persons, and here are some things that you should know about going forward, whether it's about strength of faith or allegiance to the church or patience in dealing with people who are troublesome. Um, Kids appreciate being spoken to uh, as fellow human beings. Mm And, and these lessons learned is applicable to other, I mean, I'd be remiss, even though we are talking about child abuse, child sexual abuse, there's also the reality of spousal abuse and domestic violence and elder abuse and fiduciary abuse and cyberbullying. And, and I think what's happened as a result of the efforts of the church to deal with the issue of child abuse, child sexual abuse, I know in my experience working with the Diocese of San Jose when I would do our safe environment trainings, individuals who would come up to me after the training to talk about not not child abuse or child sexual abuse, but other forms of abuse or other hurts or pains that the, that they're experiencing. And again, I think with this, we're, we're giving folks permission uh, to be able to say something, speak up. You're not alone. In our diocese, uh, I think in trainings across the country, you're right, it's not just the physical contact kind of abuse. There's psychological abuse, mm-hmm. there's bullying, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's creating threatening environments, uh, and teaching people how to recognize those, and, and to recognize that for adults to recognize in the behaviors of young people and children sometimes the signs of distress that may, that may come from um, people that are uh, environments that are physically abusive or psychologically abusive. And, and so in, in some of these cases where you suspect there might be something serious going on, to also notify the authorities or child protective agencies uh, and not 
in your own mind. You know, people don't have to figure in their own mind that someone is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of something. If you suspect a child is in danger or in pain, uh, you really have to say something to somebody, and, and you're right. And, and that takes care of a lot of other things uh, besides the sexual abuse. So in our charter with Article 12, we have safe environment training that uh, dioceses are carrying out. Article 13, we look at background checks for any individual who is thinking of uh, wanting to be involved with or ministering to our young people and and vulnerable individuals. Uh, Education, I think, has really changed part of this culture. And I know in my travels, you can't go to any parish now and say you want to work with young people without folks saying, have you been background checked, cleared, and been trained? Um, so I think in terms of the movement, the change of culture, the journey towards this change and transformation, I think we're pretty much on our way. Um, I, I do see, however, the importance of needing to tie in now also the theology of this, the spirituality of this, the, the uh, if you will, uh, looking toward the resurrection uh, because of the experience of Good Friday um, and being in the season of Lent and, and, mm-hmm. and such. Um, I think there's a lot that we can learn from this. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that in the end, um, yeah, abuse of any kind will not be tolerated. You know, one of the uh, elements of all of this, especially as you're training volunteers and teachers and so forth, there's a, because we're confronting uh, an evil and something that is a real failure um, based on original sin and human willfulness. Uh, people are ashamed or embarrassed sometimes, and it causes suffering for them to go through the training. It causes suffering either to sit through a talk, watch a film, or go online and update your certification. Uh, and I think, yeah, the theology of suffering is a piece of this. And, you know, I've, I've said often uh, in my life, if, especially during Lent, if you reject suffering in your life, then somebody else has to carry part of your load. Uh, and so there's, there's no amount of uh, less suffering in the world. It's just can we all help to carry it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that there's a noble thing for people. We acknowledge you're uncomfortable. We acknowledge this takes time. Um, but it will alleviate the suffering of some innocent person somewhere down the line if you take all of this very seriously. Again, I'm talking here with Bishop Timothy Doherty, Bishop of the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana, and the current chair of the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People. Uh, Bishop, uh, as we as we bring this to a close, if if there's if there's a message that you could that you would like to bring and and, and share with our our diocesan and eparchial victim assistance coordinators and safe environment coordinators and perhaps your brother bishops and and the the presbytery. Um, and for anyone who's been victim uh, or has experienced this hurt or pain, um, any, any closing message that you'd like to share? Well, especially for the people who work with victims' assistance uh, and coordinate the training, um, if a bishop is a servant leader, he's going to be available to you. And uh, I know that we form our offices so that you have to go through a certain protocol to reach the bishop, um, but I, I do think it, that should not frighten people from asking. And in a small diocese like ours, uh, people could call me directly, um, and if they can't get a hold of me right now, I'll certainly call them back. So I would encourage people with the greatest responsibility locally to not be hesitant to call your victim assistance coordinator or to call the safe environment training um, chairperson. 
uh, at all. Uh, it amazes me uh, that the number of times people will say they won't contact my office because, oh, Bishop, you're too busy. I didn't want to bother you. And I would just like everybody to know that I can't be too busy for the salvation of souls. I can't be too busy. And if I myself can't respond to you, I will find somebody that can get back to you either for information or for the assurance that you need. Um, you know, that's not necessarily every parent in the diocese, but those coordinators in parishes and the, those few professional people that we rely on, um, they should also, they should always feel that they are a part of our team, and the bishop has to know that he's a part of that team and can be very helpful and reassuring to them. Thank you very much, uh, Bishop Doherty. Um, for those of you who are listening, if you have experienced hurt or pain, um, please do contact your local diocesan victim assistance coordinator. And for additional resources or the link to this podcast, please uh, go online www.usccb.org under the Secretariat of Child and Youth Protection. My name is Deacon Bernie Nohadera. I want to thank you all. God bless you all, and thank you for all the good work you do to making sure our children are safe, uh, survivor victims' needs are, are met, and in the end, helping to, to make the church healthier and holier. God bless. Mm-hmm.